Hello and welcome to You Haven't Seen That, a podcast where we discuss films that I, Eric, missed in my childhood. I'm joined as always by my co-host Chris. Hey everybody. And Chris, we've got someone special with us today. We do. We're, we're back with another guest on this episode. Uh, someone I'm familiar with doing podcasts with at this point. Uh, our good friend Tom. Hello. Uh, co-host of the other podcast I do, The Criterion Quest. That's right. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah. Uh, well, do you want to yeah, have the honour of telling us the movie we're doing this week? Well, um, yeah, and why are you here? We're doing uh, Dumb and Dumber. Dumb, a person lacking mental power. Hey, want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? If they each had half a brain, they'd still only have half a brain. Jim Carrey, Jeff Daniels, Dumb and Dumber. For these guys, every day is a no-brainer. And uh, I'm here because I'm a f***ing huge Jim Carrey fan. Uh, <laughs> I should point out at this point, no swearing. Yeah, it's we've a, actually a, done a good job of like, oh, keeping the swears, swears sorry. down. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> my, my podcast, I'm allowed to swear on air. Yeah, I know, no. Yeah, no I'll, I'll I don't know why, we just sort of didn't from the word go and it's yeah, just Yeah, and like it's consistent. kind of just naturally yeah. happened. I've already f***ed. Oh, I've done it. <laughs> It's all right. I've yeah. already Mike, Mike did as well, and Chris just bleeped it I out. I just bleeped it out. It's fine. <laughs> so, There's a couple of bleeps. Yeah. Yeah. There'd be no more. Um, I love Jim Carrey. I think uh, the fir- like he growing up, he was my favorite actor. Mm-hmm. And I think Ace Ventura is the film I have seen the most in my whole life. Right. Uh, maybe a close follow-up to Dumb and Dumber, actually. Hmm. Um, but that's why I'm here, man. I, I, I want to talk about Dumb and Dumber. I want to talk about Jim Carrey. I love the guy to death. Well, on that note, I think uh, I'm intrigued. I'm just going to... We've got the DVD sitting in front of us. I'm just going to slide that cover of a joke <laughs> Eric. He looks so young. <laughs> uh, if you had... Do you know anything about this movie at all? Uh, no, not really, to be honest. Not in terms of plot. I just remember they're two derpy friends, and I feel like they're both in love with the same woman or something like that. Okay. And I know that they are, spend at least some time in a car. <laughs> I can't remember if they're full road tripping or something, or it seems like something they'd do. Yeah. Actually, are they returning a briefcase or something like that? Ooh, you'll have to we'll <laughs> you'll find, have out, to find out. Are you allowed to look at the back cover to determine what <laughs> okay. it's about? Or no, is yeah. that a rule? Or? No, no, there's, there's no set rule with that. No. But it's, um, yeah. What do you determine from... There's four images on the cover. One's name is Dumb and the other's name is Dumber. Definitely. There's... <laughs> I think you've nailed the boss. <laughs> There's Jeff Daniels with his tongue stuck to a, a, a pole. There's got snot all over their faces in another photo. These are grown men who were paid millions of dollars. Um, I'm in for a romp. That's um, why I know it's going to happen. Oh, damn it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, this is... I think the reason why this is one that we definitely put in the hat for this first kind of round is... Because growing up in, you know, kids of the 80s in, like, you know, coming, you know, mm. our, our formative movie years in the 90s, this was huge, this movie. Oh, I know. Yeah. <laughs> and this, um, yeah, kind of, you know, I think came out in 1994. Uh, mm-hmm. I think for us in Australia, it was early 95 that it hit cinemas. So, yeah, yeah it's kind of that, like, peak kind of time of discovering film and I think discovering sense of, like, sense of humour as well as a big thing. Yes, <laughs> so, yeah. So we would have been, like, nine or ten. Yeah, so, like, came out. Perfect, perfect age for this Perfect film. age. Yeah. 
yeah, I, I think this is a fairly important one. Um, we were joking before how we're probably just going to stop doing the whole, so why did you miss this? <laughs> just... I just didn't have a life, okay? <laughs> or, or, is or did it, I? No, that's the, no, the question. You probably had a more substantial <laughs> life than Chris and I probably. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Mm. I was just playing sport instead. Look at that got me. I'm not I was playing actually, sport. I was actually outdoors. <laughs> <laughs> Enjoying the sun. Um, but no, I'm... I. Ace Ventura was another one I didn't see till a bit later on, mm. but I freaking loved it. Mm. Um, and that I've watched a lot of times since then. Like it's just wonderful. <laughs> so you're you're relatively familiar with like the kind of younger Jim Carrey oeuvre, should we say? Yeah. <laughs> Sure, whatever that means. <laughs> uh, like the kind of young, like when he was more slapstick comedy and kind of yeah, first. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely saw The Mask. Yeah. Um, of course, and I love that. Um, it was pretty creepy and weird, of course, but you know. Coincidentally, all three of those are in the same year. Yes, I thought it would have been about the same time. Yeah. Um, and then um, wow. and then I saw more of my Jim Carrey experiences more like, I love I Me, Myself and Irene. Okay. Same writer-directors. Ah, yeah, similar, similar kind of comedy, like the physical... I used to love that in high school. Um, what about, you know, the Truman Show, Man on the Moon? Yeah, Truman Show's great. That, that's, seen... that's way more into the dramatic. Yes. Yeah, I love Truman Show. Never saw Man on the Moon. That's still one I've been mean to get to. And um, and Bruce Almighty's a bit of fun. Bruce but Almighty is surprisingly not yeah. bad. And then I tried to watch... <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's how I'd probably describe it. <laughs> but then I tried to watch... Was he in one called, like, Run Somebody... No. Or, or anyway, I saw, tried to watch something recently and it was dreadful. He was uh, like the was, incredible Burt Wonderstone, maybe? No, the one where he was the know. Chris Angel magician? Mr. Poplar's Penguins? <laughs> <laughs> I never saw Lemony Sneaker either. So anyway, he's got a heap of films. But mm. um, his, his prime ones, I've seen a lot of them, but not this one. So, mm. um, And I haven't seen the, the more recent Dumb and Dumber. No, me neither. And I refuse to. I want to keep this... Oh, it's my dog. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no. I suppose I, the sequel will crop up. We could talk about the sequel later, but which one? Which is the interesting oh, thing? Oh, well, we not. Can... I don't want to talk about the prequel because not Jim Carrey's not in it. Yeah, it's not a proper. So yeah, so let's not worry about that one at yeah. all. We'll, we'll kind of save that for post sure. film watching yeah. discussion, I guess. But um, yeah, I mean, unless we got anything else, should we just jump into it at this point? Yeah. Or... Please, I'm very excited. Let's yes. see what this is all about. Let's do it. You tell them now, son. Wind your body, wiggle your belly, till one go down to the nose daily. Wind and go up, wind and go down, a bowl and a rocker to the nose. Alright, so that was Dumb and Dumber. Yeah, Tommy, how was that to rewatch again? Oh, it was so great. Um, so much nostalgia. Yeah. So much nostalgia, I loved it. You, you were laughing a lot. <laughs> yeah, you were having a wonderful time. <laughs> yeah. So, if, if you were to guess... How? What viewing would, number would this be for you? Uh, Ballpark it. <laughs> I don't know. Like more than fifty, probably more than seventy. Wow! <laughs> oh, wow! Okay. Okay. I was so obsessed with Jim Carrey. Yeah, movie. yeah. Like I would like everybody just was almost weirded out by the fact that I would just constantly be just impersonating um, Ace Ventura <laughs> constantly when I was a kid. So yeah, I just rewatch, rewatch, rewatch. Yeah. So. You're the right man. To yeah, you're this. definitely the expert. Um, more importantly, Eric, first time watching. Um, initial thoughts. Yeah, even as an adult, that's really enjoyable. And exact, you've got to go. What else are you going to expect? It's going to be dumb as. It's going to have poop jokes and everything. It's in the title. Like it's, it's a giveaway on the cover and the title. If you can't handle it, you should, 
just don't watch it in the first place. So, no, I went in with the right mindset. Yeah. Um, and, um, no, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I, Yeah, I think I can even say it now, like, watching as a kid would have been... <laughs> You're jumping the gun. Yeah, I'm, like, I'm jumping straight to that. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I would say I'm kind of in the similar boat with Tom, but probably not towards the 70-odd <laughs> I'm probably... This is probably close to 30 for me. Um, yeah. But... It's still a film where you can pick up little, small, interesting things throughout. Yeah, there's a lot of little, tiny throwaway yeah. little lines and actions and just tiny little bits and pieces. They got the monkeys. Mm-hmm. They were a major influence on the Beatles. Yeah, I know. But more importantly, I think in terms of narrative structure and like what the film is trying to do, or like what it, what, not it's trying to do, what it's trying to be, I guess, it's, this is kind of the first time I realised it's trying to be like one of those old, like, uh, kind of Bing Crosby, like the road musicals. Yeah, okay. like from the forties and fifties, like yeah. uh, like the Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis, like the buddy movies, and um, yep. a mental blank on who Crosby's um, mm. partner was. But like the thing of like these two wacky guys that go on a road trip adventure and things happen to them. Yeah, I, I feel watching it this time that that's what this film is trying to be. Yeah, it's a bit more of an nod or draws more, more from those movies way back. Yeah, it, it's trying to kind of emulate that kind of narrative structure, but being made from people that grew up with Mel Brooks films. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And just going for, like, the more modern, just to the stupidest degree <laughs> of what we can do with that. It's one of, the, like, the most simple storylines you can think of. It's oh, yeah. The road trip. Mm. The, it's like the MacGuffin. Yeah, um, you got to get you got to get the thing to the thing. Yeah, yeah that's essentially <laughs> yeah. it. You know, it's so easy to write, but but it's so easy to screw up. Yes, and yeah, not do yeah. well. There's so many of these sorts of films these days. Yeah, like and you know, poop jokes are just are they funny anymore? Yeah, they're. they're I mean, no, one of the, <laughs> yeah, but, but with this film, yes. Yeah, it's like I don't know, I don't know the history of poop jokes. Um, like Blazing Saddles, the first fart, audible fart joke. Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the sitting around the campfire eating beans, yeah. Dang! How about some more beans, Mr. Taggart? I'd say you've had enough. <laughs> and you watch it now and you're just like, I, I get it. <laughs> it's, it's no Jeff Daniels on a toilet. But that's the thing. It's like you have to keep stepping it up. So mm. the Farrelly yeah. Brothers is their f- first movie, right? Yeah. Uh, and they're taking a, a tried and true comedy mm. narration method of just going, here's the MacGuffin, let's, let's do the, the fart and poop jokes. Yep. Um, but you can't do what Blazing Saddles did. You have to no, push yeah, up exactly. a bit. You have to have like a dude drink a load of laxatives and then just wreck a toilet. Yep. Um, and I think even, I mean, the Fowley brothers themselves are victims of their own Situation. They oh, have yeah. to keep. They set the bar. Yeah, the that, yeah, yeah. Like that's. I, I want to get into that. We'll, we'll put a pin in that and get okay. back to that <laughs> a bit later. Let's. Yeah, but sure. I, I think, like we, we obviously for those like most people, I'm assuming have seen Dumb and Dumber. It's the sorry, Eric. Oh, <laughs> most people, yeah. yeah. That's true. Like, I mean, yeah, yeah I know. Um, that's why we're doing the podcast. It, exactly. it, it's not necessarily a like we keep saying a Mel Brooks style film. It's it's not in that same way of ridiculous like an airplane or like you know Robin Hood Men in Tights yeah. or Blazing Saddles or Young Frankenstein where it's trying to do the genre tropes of a film and kind of playing up and doing heightened yeah and it's not in that scary movie vein which no. is closer to Mel Brooks in terms of just abs- 
just stuff just happening just totally yeah, bizarrely. If you actually strip it away, or if you strip away all the jokes, there is a succinct narrative happening in this film. It's not necessarily a great one, but... It's... I would argue that it is pretty great. If you take all the jokes away, mm. it's quite a compelling... Uh, crime th- thriller, almost. Yeah, the oh, the idea of the he thinks she's left the briefcase and he wants to take it back to her. Meanwhile, the briefcase was left there because her husband was kidnapped. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, you're right. That is, it's and there's like a soft mystery going on the whole way through as well because yeah. you know everybody at the end, all of a sudden, it's the husband that's that's missing and no, and there's. It's not really a mystery, but there is that reveal. Yeah, they they take a long time to reveal that. You just Mm. know that they've got a case of some shady folks are after them. Yeah. And the big thing that I got, obviously, is the the friendship kind of journey and then the the little test of friendship here and there and things like that. I I think that's what makes this film so watchable and actually endure what 24 years yeah. post it being released is the fact that at the core of it Harry and Lloyd's friendship and their they're, they're decent interesting characters yeah like that like, that first scene where Jim Carrey kind of like lays his heart out and explains like why he wants to do this mm. you know what I'm sick and tired of Harry I'm sick and tired of having to eke my way through life Sick and tired of being a nobody. But most of all, I'm sick and tired of having nobody. Gets you, it grabs you as a viewer, and you're like tearing up, man. And cleverly, they didn't throw in, you're like, oh, there's gonna be a joke. His final line's gonna be something silly. Yeah. No, like, no, this is the straight. Straight delivery, and you know that his heart's in it, Mm. and you're gonna get a lot more jokes. (laughs) And and I think that like. By having some believability behind the characters, like, they, they very cleverly do that early on with Jim Carrey's character, um, and I think just by the virtue of casting Jeff Daniels, it automatically gives them that for that character. Yes, yeah. Like, yeah, because he's, I th- like, he's the more straight character yeah. out of the two, and um, it's really interesting, like, him getting cast. He, the studio did not want him... The directors didn't want him. No one wanted him for this movie except for Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey Bathroom, yeah. Really? Yeah, Jim I Carrey. Think it was the, Nick Cage was, was Nick Cage. Oh, well, we, there's a big thing at the end of this okay. movie. I've got a whole right. list of alternate casting. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, like Jeff Daniels, uh, Jim Carrey threw him out as a je- as a suggestion because he was primarily known as a he'd done comedic slanted films. Mm. Like by this time, he was a two time two time Golden Globe nominee for. You know, yeah. something wild, Purple Rose of Cairo. He'd acted in a bunch of Woody Allen films. Um, this is probably coming off of the back of, like, Arachnophobia and things and Butcher's Wife. Like, he was but he'd a, never done, pu- like, a real slapsticky. Yeah. yeah. And so Jim Carrey thought, like, in terms of getting... Y- you need a guy, a serious, quote-unquote, serious actor to kind of, for me to bounce off of to yeah. make it grounded and believable. You couldn't watch that film with two Jim Carreys. God, no, it'd be so... Frustrating It'd and annoying. Work. It'd like, be Dumb and Dumberer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The horrible sequel. Yes. Or prequel. prequel yeah. Yeah. Um, because I was like, I, I really enjoyed the way that like, Jeff Daniels knows he's not Jim Carrey. Yes. When it comes to the physicality and the facial, just the 
Jim Carrey's control of his facial expressions and his body of movement. Yeah. Like, um, like one of the ones was when they'd eaten the chilies. And then um, Jeff's like got the mustard and the tomato sauce and just like spraying into his mouth. And he keeps himself quite static and simple, but mm. like just the expression on his face and he holds it. And then he's like, try this, 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 good. <laughs> <laughs> and he slides him across the gym. And then Jim's obviously got a much more, much bigger energy. He squeezes him up in the air and he throws his face into the it's sauce. such an insanely but brilliant da- Yeah, it's a really well done. Because Daniel's is... He just doesn't have that physicality across the screen, but he... You can tell, like, that's that particular... I like that sequence. Mm. It's really the fact that uh, you can see the gulf between the two actors there. Mm. Yes. Jim knows precisely how to play that. He knows what he needs to do. But Je- Jeff's... Jeff Jess, is throwing the ball really, up for him yeah, that's to right. be able yes. to hit a home run. That's a really hard role to feel. Yeah. To be dumb, but also have the straight thing going is yes. super thing f***ing hard. Oh, damn it. <laughs> a super hard thing to do. Yeah. He, but that being said, Jeff Daniels is no slouch in terms of comedy in this film. He no. nails it. But where I think he shines, and I think early on, this is my just wild assumption <laughs> on the pre-production of this film, he, knowing that Jim Carrey was such a physical comedian, took the, seat, like, took the stance of, I will rely on the written word. And the writer's do some absolutely brilliant verbal gags for him. And Mm. the wordplay that he kind of throws out in some scenes is so hilariously funny. About a week later, right out of the blue, she sends me a John Deere letter. She give you any reason? Yeah, I called her up. She gave me a bunch of crap about me not listening to her enough or something. I don't know, I wasn't really paying attention. Compared to Jim Carrey, who goes for the more slapstick, broad kind of facial expression and Yeah. yeah. So they both get their wonderful moments to shine, I think. But yeah, yeah, because Jim Jim Carrey's physicality is pretty much second to none. Yeah, yeah. It's it's crazy to think that like, what a year that dude. Had. Oh, I know. Yeah. So, do you guys know much about like history of that? Like with Jim Carrey around this time, or not really? Except he was in everything. Well, uh, this was what happened. Like prior to this, he was. Um, He'd kind of been in a few little kind of interesting low-budget comedies and Mm. one, a Francis Ford Coppola movie, a great one, Peggy Sue Got Married, with with Nicolas Cage, weirdly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, But he was primarily known for... There was a sketch comedy show called In Living Colour, which was like the Waynes Brothers and David Alan Greer and things, and so it was a predominantly African-American... It was an African-American sketch show, and so they cast the token white guy, and it was Jim Carrey, and he kind of grew to prominence from that... It's time for Buffed, Beautiful, and Bitchin', the at-home workout with Vera DeMilo. Hi, I'm Vera DeMilo, and thanks for tuning in. You know, before I learned how to exercise properly, I was a poor excuse for a woman. And the year he left the show was 1994, when he left to make Ace Ventura, The Mask, and The Dumb and Dumber. He made all those three in one go. In one year, I think... Ace Ventura was like February, Mask was like July, and Dumb and Dumber was December. He became the first actor in the history of cinema to have three films open at number one in the box office in one year. (laughs) Wow. Take that, The Rock. (laughs) Did he also do that? I'm just assuming The Rock's in everything now. (laughs) Yeah. Dwayne has done very well for himself. Yeah. (laughs) But it's... That being said, I think... Dumb and Dumber probably holds up and is probably the best possibly the best film out of the three of those I think 
I reckon Ace Ventura. Ace Ventura. Ace Ventura. Ace Ventura. Yeah, I, I enjoyed this a lot, but Ace Ventura is just. I'm, I'm not necessarily saying in terms of a co- how much it makes you laugh. I'm saying in terms of an actual film. Like, but they it, but they both share a common um, uh, a common linkage in that they both have the Jim Carrey crazy comedy going on. But mm-hmm. both of them, if you strip away the comedy, they still have a really interesting, compelling story. I'll agree mm. with that. I, I just think Jim Carrey mugs a little bit too much in Ace Ventura. Like, that became too much of a kind of quotey, quippy... I reckon the second one. The second one's out of control That could be changing like that. what I'm thinking. Yeah, yeah, and that's where it's hard. I think hard. You kind of forget which ones came from which. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> nah, the first one... Like, because I, I, I re-watched the first one actually quite a while ago, but I was thinking the exact same thing, having watched the second um, uh, When Nature Calls. And going like it's a different kind of comedy. Yeah, uh, they really treated it like a comedy, um, where it's I mean like no shit, uh, damn it, uh, no shoot. Uh, <laughs> you try not to swear as adorable. Yeah. <laughs> I want to be naughty. Um, it's like a laugh every ten seconds. I in the second one, it hurts yeah. me so. Yeah, uh, but. Where that one's just like let's let's just put out as many jokes as possible, and there's like kind of this thread of a narrative. I feel like Ace Ventura has the narrative coming first, and mm. then they try and build the comedy around Ace the character. Yeah. Um, Dumb and Dumber does the same thing, but not as well, and that's why I would say that Ace, Ace is a better film. But. Okay. Well, that's what I did notice this time is it's the amount of jokes crammed into this hour and forty minute film is relentless. Yeah, it's I would why say. It is. <laughs> did did that work? Do you think watching like uh, yeah, going no. to you as the person who's seen it for yeah, the first time? It, it was yeah, it was it was fine. Like it was any more would have been pretty exhausting. Like there's just jokes of every variety. Yeah, but I mean, as you know, I like Mel Brooks films and they just throw stuff at you all over the place usually. The, um, some well, of them. It's interesting you point out, like, uh, saying the jokes of all variety. Do you think the kind of widespread nature of the comedy I think that is helps? Helpful? Yeah, yeah, like, even just the subtle stuff of them in their silly suits walking into the um, party and then just, like, hitting each other in the back with the sticks. Like, it's not a big focus, but it's just like, <laughs> yeah. silly. And it's then, super charming. It's the, charming. All, all the stuff it, it where they It matches they're them just mucking around. They're just... They're just little, little kids, fre- you know? Really just um, innocent, friendly little kid adults, which is a real threat to society. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But then even some of, like, the dark jokes, like them selling the dead bird to the... <laughs> to the blind kid. You sold my dead bird to a blind kid? Lloyd, that, that, you, what do you, Petey didn't even have a head. Harry, I took care of it. Pretty bird. Yeah, can you say pretty bird? Pretty bird. It's so, yeah. <laughs> like, no, th- like, I think that's a great joke, but the, the funnier joke is the, the setup, the, the follow-up, the pay-up, the cutting oh. back to it later is yeah. what's so funny. And next, we'll be back in a minute with the heartbreaking story of the blind Rhode Island boy who was duped into buying a dead parakeet. I just thought he was real quiet. That's like this movie. I think shines in some of its, uh, some of its really 
it's setups and then payoffs. Like yeah. that being the prime example. I like think. it's got some really obvious stuff, like Jeff Daniels getting his tongue stuck to the um the, the ski lift. Yeah. Jeff Daniels on the toilet. It's a gag. Um, the policeman drinking pee. Like you know, real simple fart jokey ones. But they're funny because they're spaced out. Mm. Um, and then yeah, in between you've just got them mucking around and Jim Carrey just flopping about and yeah, yeah. And then yeah, long long term payoff jokes and stuff. So they've got a variety of jokes. Like, were you expecting Seabass to come back into this film? No, I thought Seabass was done. <laughs> but Seabass was looking for some manly love. Seabass oh, was. It's a deep character. He's a closet homosexual. That's why he's so angry. <laughs> yes. And he can't tell his mates. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah. There's a lot going on there. <laughs> yes, Seabass is the deepest character in the film. <laughs> he actually is. Uh. <laughs> yeah, he's got two layers. Everyone else has one. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's even... Um, even, like, you look at the cover and you've got Jim Carrey with his bowl cut and you've got Jeff Daniels with his just ugly frizzy wig hair thing yeah um but you kind of don't get sick of it it's iconic dude the, the, yeah the bowl cut and the chip tooth and then the frizzy hair those du- that that sh- is a oh, damn it <laughs> that is a duo is completely iconic um mm. as far as films go how did i do the the, the tooth uh, i was real jim carrey had actually chipped his tooth like that in the past and so he just removed the cap Oh my god! Yeah, like, <laughs> well, like, that's okay. that's that's gotten to the bottom of that. I I always imagined that there was, I mean, oh, what, CGI, CGI, <laughs> yeah, yeah. a little bit of gr- like blue screen on green no, screen. I, I, I didn't think it was CG, obviously, but I was just like, wow, this that's just so real. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, well, that was actually, uh, yeah, his real tooth was chipped like oh that. Oh my so god, he was yeah. born yeah. to play it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> play that role. Yeah, but I mean, they that that's an interesting thing. Like Tom brought up how iconic. Just like visually looking at those two guys, uh, we've got the cover in front of us. We yeah. should say, do do you, Eric, think that these guys, Harry and Harry, <laughs> Harry Dunn and Lloyd Christmas, <laughs> do, <laughs> do they belong in kind of the canon of great comedic duos? Do you think? Well, that's a really good question. Um, can you give me some examples of who you'd consider in there, so we sort of know what we're going along with? Um, I'll go for, like, kind of more modern yeah, examples. Yeah. Like, uh, uh, 90s-style ones, I would say, like, Wayne and Garth. Yeah. Um, uh, Jane Silent Bob, I guess. Yeah. Um, I don't know, like... Tom, have you got any you can think of? Because I think they definitely belong up alongside Wayne and Garth and stuff. Um, but, I mean, even even going... I would des- like I would happily go back to, like, you know, Martin and Lewis and things. Mm. And, um... There's uh, only... Steve Martin, Martin Short. Um, I mean, around the same kind of, or just a bit after these guys. Yeah, Chris Farley and David Spade doing their stuff together. Like, yeah, I think it's better than that. Oh yeah, I, I, I'm just throwing out like similar. I wouldn't put them yeah. Farley no, and Spade necessarily in that. Yeah, you know, it's not on the level of uh, Wayne and Garth. I would say. Really? Yeah, because Wayne well, and Garth had the like the help of being on Saturday Night Live a lot before they were existing characters before jumping into film so they were kind of but they were also iconic of a generation as well not just you know of of a a film but they they kind of flowed into MTV and all that sort of Mm -hmm. that kind of situation whereas this these characters are just they're just from this one film so I don't know Mm. like but I would say that like if you put if you do a silhouette 
um, piece of art of these characters. That's, there's so many people that would just go, oh, yeah, yeah, dumb, dumb. I reckon, yeah, a really good one would be just a minimalist one mm. and you just highlight the two haircuts. Yeah. And the, and the yeah. chip tooth, done. Yeah. Um, on, on this and the tuxedo. <laughs> oh, those, oh. oh, the greatest suits in cinema history. Yeah. Will Who's going there. op shopping this weekend? <laughs> <laughs> Good luck. Yeah. Those suits in an option, man. Yeah. If you buy those suits, you keep those suits. Yes. Um, on this kind of similar vein of their kind of lasting or iconic appeal, um, I thought of another duo who, mm. in a film that we've done for a previous episode, Blues Brothers. Like, what do you think? See, in terms of just pure image, they're more yeah. iconic to me. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So, but I'm t- I'm thinking more in terms of um, enjoyability as a double act watching them in a film <sighs> yeah that's a really good point because as you, as you know I didn't love Brute Blues Brothers yeah. the film and I didn't love what? yeah I know we'll talk about that another time okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I didn't love the characters like Belushi's character is just a real jerk for mm-hmm. example and I found him really hard to connect with however those two as brothers are actually a really strong duo. That's what I mean, like the bouncing yeah. off, the, the, the ping pong between the two. Yeah, so you really, like, believe their characters, their brother brothership. Um, uh, so I'd actually say, despite liking this film more, they're probably the stronger duo. Yeah. Because their actual, like, real chemistry is, is really quite borderline believable in, in that kind of a film anyway. Yeah. Um, but I enjoy these characters more. Hmm. Sort of. I feel like the the duo, the comedy duo things, uh, lightning in a bottle, always, always yeah. have been that. They always will be. Yeah. I feel like I don't want really to be a dick. Is that allowed? Can I say yeah, that? Yeah, 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 yeah. Dick's okay. <laughs> uh, I don't want to be a dick, but I feel like Jeff Daniels like just didn't bring it. Just enough. Really? Just enough. I know. So I'm, I know, I'm referring I know. to that the sequence with the burgers, for example. Yeah. We just can't reach the le- like he. He does a fantastic job he, of trying to yeah. um, to counter Jim Carrey, but there's some sequences where he's just the, not quite there. He doesn't have the capacity to go higher. He takes himself to his safe zone, <laughs> like his limits. He knows where his limits are. But, yeah, you're right. He, he can't match it quite as much. The burger scene is a perfect example. Yeah. Like you, just, you're, you're, you gravitate towards Jim and at no time... Really, no time except for when he asks, like, says, "Here, try the mustard." The, I was actually am I... watching Jeff the whole time. Really, mm. I, I'm like fully just drawn to Jim, and well, that's that's the interesting thing. Do you think it's Jeff Daniels takes a back seat, like in this, because he understands his role as a supporting character and just letting Jim Carrey go and have his moment? But they shouldn't be supporting. Right, see, so as a as yeah. a new, equal, or, as a new watcher, I found them quite equal actually. Yeah, I was expecting Jim to be. Com- dominant just because of the kind of character he is but I think the screen time was shared a lot so someone well, who hadn't watched it before I was actually surprised by how I found that Jeff actually yeah he didn't come across as such a natural comedy actor um, but he it reminded me a little bit of um, uh, Keanu and what's his face I um, mean um, Bill and Ted's oh Alex Winter yeah, yeah. it reminded me more of Alex Winter's role okay um, that's slightly more grounded yeah yeah Level-headed one, yeah. I don't know yeah. the, the the straighter, straighter one of the two, of the two yeah. dumb characters, the softer one. God, the softer we, one. Why yeah. did we bring up those two as an know. iconic duo? Too, too hard on. It's late at night. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
But yeah, I don't know. Or like the the other point on that possibly is that Jim Carrey is just going so hog wild that he is drawing focus away from. Because I I'm I'm disagreeing with you guys. I think Jeff Daniels does a wonderful job <laughs> in this film for what for what Harry is as a character. Yeah. He he does not get like Lloyd is the protagonist. Like he is the person who is driving sure. the narrative. Yeah, and, and Harry's so, coming along for the ride. Yeah, he doesn't get quite as, as much to do as Lloyd. So. The storyline isn't his. No. It's so. his car. <laughs> yeah, his dog car. <laughs> his dog car. Yeah. They're driving an eighty four sheepdog. But did you, Tom, like, for example, growing up, did you have a favourite scene? Or like Oh, yeah. Favorite couple of like one or two scenes mm. that you just oh man when it's Jeff Daniels does you. poo I love it <laughs> like what element of it just for me <laughs> no this sounds silly but I, me, I just it, ragged on Jeff but I I've got to say that's my mm. favorite scene of the for whole me film. it was the legs in the air yeah he does like he does twitches I don't know there's a lot going on even actually even but when he enters the bathroom and he's he's walking like knees together. Yeah. His twitch is before he enters yeah. the bathroom even, but it's like perfectly matched with the sound design. Yeah. It's wonderful. But just the legs in the air was... Because, um, yeah, that's a, a well-executed poo joke, that one. Well, is that uh, is there any scene that stands out for you watching this? Mm. Um, that is, is there anything that stands out that you think will be like... Is just like comedy gold? <laughs> um... That's maybe I putting did, it a little too far. Yeah, yeah, no, there, there were a few moments. Obviously, we were talking about it, and there was a scene I did know. It was the policeman's tick after drinking the what he thought was the beer. Like, yep. Just for like an extra to deliver that sort of response was... Um, was was really good. Fantastic cameo. Yeah, fant- fantastic cameo. Yeah. Ha- Harland Williams doing his yeah, thing. Yeah, like just just perfect. Um, I like I have the like dumbest fan theory about this whatsoever. Because <laughs> 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 it's um, he's similar to Lynn Shay who played the dog owner at the beginning. Mm. He shows up in the majority of the Farley, Far- Farley brother films. Um, I, in my own stupid mind, I like to believe that that policeman just had had enough that day. <laughs> Having pulled them over, was just like, nah, I'm done. And then he just kind of became unhinged and he ends up becoming the hitchhiker in something about Mary. It's <laughs> <laughs> like it starts walking away from the cop car. Yeah. And, then and just all of a sudden, it becomes a, like, it comes up with a great warrior. idea for an ab workout. <laughs> and yeah. No! No, no, not six. I said seven. Nobody's coming up with six. Who works out in six minutes? That gave me time though to think one of my favourite scenes probably was the extended dream sequence. Yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like, it just keeps going. Every bit, like, every part of it is a little bit different comedy-wise and just so silly. I... Like, the the, the Christmas joke sort of section. He's going through every possible dumb joke. To the point of, of like, throwing all the nuts on his I know. (laughs) Ridiculous. Absolutely <laughs> that ridiculous. That is just Jim Carrey going like, go Jim. Yeah, it's literally just like, we're rolling. <laughs> what she got? And then it cuts to him at the restaurant and the moment where the waiter starts kissing her arm and he's just like, okay. I noticed this for the first time. The waiter is antagonistic towards him. The second he walks up, he throws his plate on the table and places hers oh, gently. Does he? I'm like, subtle moment. Like, nice. little things. Where do you go, Farrelly Brothers? Yeah. I love the moment Jim just gets up, puts his chair to the side yeah. and then just unleashes a can. <laughs> I will say his 
kung fu stance goes on a little too long. Yeah. You can does. trip it by like No, no. It kind of works no, because the dream never ends. So yeah. within the, the sequence... The joke is it's just going and going and going. Yeah. So it uh, it, it works quite well. Mm. Um, what would happen if you're on the road that long? Like you would you would really zone out. Yeah. <laughs> Considering when you start in Rhode Island and end up in Colorado. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> doing the... Like, yeah, doing 10-hour road trip days is like... Oh. <laughs> yeah, especially if like you're the person in your passenger seat falls asleep and yes. stuff, you're just like, nah, okay. No, nah, I'm done. I'm gonna imagine headlights are boobs now. <laughs> that's, that's where I'm at. <laughs> um, but I, I think like for me, where the film works best as a comedy isn't necessarily in any broader no. big scene. It is in just the small little moments. Oh, yeah, the little details are great. Just I think what. The why I find myself remembering this film and enjoying it is it like just a random throwaway line popping into my head mm. and just kind of chuckling to myself about that and like pull over no it's a cardigan but thanks for noticing no I think I think the reason why this film is so strong is that the best parts are actually not the comedy they're they're always the very beautiful, lovely little moments that are the drama, the drama bits. Mm. Um, uh, like a comedy film can do whatever it wants as far as comedy goes, but you can't rewatch a comedy film if it doesn't have a little bit of heart to it. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think there's so many films that I could rewatch growing up. This time of 1994, so many comedy films where I just don't care to rewatch because they were funny, but. Like, there's I don't nothing... want to watch the mask again. No, there's no. there's really not a lot going on is, um, yeah. in in the heart there. No, I mean you got the underdog thing going on, just as you got the underdog thing going yeah. on here too. But but with this one, you really get like a, a sense of gravity that that I mean, really, is, is Jim Carrey that gives it. What anchors the film is their friendship and yeah. mm. the the fact that these two people are. They care deeply for each other, and they're going through on this adventure together. You, you're invested, and you care. Yeah. And when they're at their lowest, you feel low for them. And they're they're pretty hopeless individuals, but they've got dreams. Yeah, like really honest dreams to open a silly, silly business idea. But that's the thing. Like they, they don't want to be alone, Jim. And he doesn't want to be alone. Exactly. Lloyd starts crying nearly. Yeah, you know? and that yeah. line alone, oh, and that little. Oh. Yeah, I I always as well like the scene on the side of the highway is beautiful. Where are you going? Home. I'm walking home. Oh, well, pardon me, Mr. Perfect. I guess I forgot that you never ever make a mistake. Uh, the once yes. at the end, like, a beautiful maybe, you know. <laughs> That scoot is pretty beautiful. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> no, and it then, is beautiful. You, you walk, yeah. The problem is you say beautiful and then you think of like the, the toilet sequence. <laughs> And then you're like, you oh, I, I can't say that. You, you can't say, like, but, like, it's ridiculous to say that watching Dumb and Dumber, you can see how Jim Carrey could go on to become a legitimate great dramatic actor. Yes, yeah. Yeah, like Tom said, he, he was tearing up in that scene. Like, yeah, he's so good. Like, he's Robin Williams good. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I'll, I'll say that. Yeah, I'll no, say. I 100% agree For with sure. that statement. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Robin. Robin's one of the only others that falls into his physical and... Comedy sort of level, the, the comedy one of the and drama that, you that have been just... able to bridge that gap from yeah. being absurd, wild slapstick 
can't like miss. You can't Mr. go from Mrs. Doubtfire to winning an Academy Award. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So like, Goodwill Hunting. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's well, it. Like, Poet Society yeah. and yeah, like so many. And the same for Jim Carrey. It's like for every Dumb and Dumber, there is. Well, if you think less than five years later, he's uh, Truman Show. Yeah. Where he wins a Golden Globe for Best Actor in a Drama. Yeah. And now <laughs> the man, it's just like off the walls, awesome drama. Yeah. And Eternal Sunshine. Eternal Sunshine. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like real good films. Yeah. <laughs> like where he is the lead. Mm. And I kind of love that in the last decade, Jeff Daniels has had a massive resurgence. Yeah. I'm digging that. I, I miss that guy. Because he's one I obviously like because obviously during these sorts of years I did I miss so many films. So I don't know much Jeff. Jeff's another one of those actors who I've never seen that much of. He he had a little like early on he had a bit of a spring as a kind of uh, leading man. Like one of his first major ones was um, he's uh, terms of, in terms of endearment. Yeah. As uh, Deborah Winger's uh, husband, um, mm. you know they get divorced like. That's not really a spoiler. <laughs> the, the flap in terms of endearment, and that kind of shot him into stardom. And then from yeah. there, he had a, you know, probably a 10-year run as a leading man doing stuff. And yeah. then... Vanished for a while. Yeah, around this time, he kind of just became the supporting guy. And was that until, dare I say, like the newsroom kind of era? Mm. Like maybe... A ten, long time. 10 years ago? That being said, he worked a lot and in really good, interesting films, but... Not in the size of role that he used to be in yeah he, he kind of went he was just a character actor I guess so. he, he wasn't in the spotlight at all for a long time no no but consistently doing good and good interesting work, work. Yeah. yeah it's an interesting film this one too going back to those two guys they, they don't all the supporting cast aren't funny no really like tiny little elements of them but they're not designed to be funny they're, they're quite they're, these are two wacky guys existing in a pretty regular world. Mm. Um, yeah. Like, and that means that their absurdity works quite well. And everyone else is playing it 100% straight, and yeah. like Tom said, as if they're in a crime thriller about a kidnapping. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's almost Fargo-esque. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I think it's it's a really great move on the Farrelly brothers' part by casting, you know, someone like Mike Starr as the kind of tough, heavy hitman mm. guy. Because... Audiences like whether you know who Mike Starr is or not, you're like, hey, I know that guy as the enforcer from you know Miller's Crossing, and he's in Goodfellas, and he played you know a mob guy in Mad Dog and Glory. Like he's known as the big tough bruiser guy. Yeah, and here he is playing that part again. So yeah. it automatically like adds validity to it, I guess. Yeah, mm. very true. Mm. Yeah, it's a well-made movie for something that is so yeah. dumb. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, is there anything else that you guys think we've missed? Oh, some of the songs are pretty good. I don't know. <laughs> well, no. No, yeah. no, some are terrible. Some are very 90s. But that one when they're like, like it's the gas man, run. And they, like, bolt from their apartment. Oh, the, that the soundtrack music in yeah, there. The soundtrack yeah. music's yeah. really good. Um, no, the a lot of the songs. <laughs> yeah. The Dumb and Dumber score. The Dumb and Dumber score. The orchestral suite. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Find that vinyl yep. for a dollar. Yep. Um, no, the, sorry. Dated. The soundtrack is dated. Yeah. The score is quite fun. Yeah. <laughs> I would say with the exception of uh, Red Right Hand by Nick Cave and The Bad Seed. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah it's why? such a funny one to have Nick Cave in there and then just like real just 90s stuff. I'm, I'm just going to cut in some crash test dummies right now. Once there was this kid who Got into an accident and caught and come to school, but we're 
I, I have a very vivid memory of I'm pretty sure my brother had this soundtrack on cassette. Ooh, like, how <laughs> embarrassing. <laughs> That's how 90s this like the soundtrack is. It like epitomizes like walking around with a Walkman. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. It adds charm. It adds charm, but mostly it gets in the way of a good film. But I think it's it, that's one of those few elements from like the that is a kind of standard comedy of this of this like oh we got a comedy I don't know and just slap pop, pop music hits. onto pop it hits, man yeah and, and just so we can I... try and make money out of this I guess because it's probably gonna flop and not mm. do well that's why I was so surprised to hear Nick Cave in it because yeah. he's never been a pop artist definitely wasn't at that time no and that song didn't really even fit that scene anyway no, no, that was so weird about that I think surely like one of the directors or someone's like I love Nick Cave yeah has and, to be and that's happened a lot in cinema um, one of his songs ends up in the, one, the last Harry Potter film. Really? Yes. Sorry, what? Yes. Okay. It's what, probably the worst scene in Harry Potter film history. Yeah. Ron's run away. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Ron's run away and Harry and Hermione are alone in the tent and everything's a bit sad and things are a bit wrong and oh, then yeah. they start dancing like awkward teenagers. Oh, yeah. that one! Yeah. And the song that plays is a beautiful song by him called Oh Children. Yeah. And that scene is, is just... Is that oh, Jesus. Yeah, and it's Daniel Radcliffe dancing like a white boy. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, for That you, does not belong in Harry Potter, right? No, it's no. such a good At song. No and point then, when I was reading the books was I thinking, yeah. We need some Nick Cave in here, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and the, I can't think of any other popular song that's in Harry Potter at any point, but the director loved that song apparently. So the, anyway, choose so, a better moment, dude. Yeah, David Yates, I'm calling out. <laughs> yes. So um, I think it's, it's either seven point one or two. Anyway. Yeah. I'll, I'll, don't worry. I, I would have already so, cut uh, to I'm it. I'm assuming that's what happened with Nick. He's um pretty popular with creative types, and they're like, let's just there's a good tune. Let's put it in. Yeah. Because because the rest of the soundtrack <laughs> is pretty mediocre. <laughs> sure is. Anyway. Um. I know. Do you guys? Unless there's anything else, I uh, do you want to hear a little bit of info about uh, mm. how the film. Uh, was received. Sure. Uh, so it had a production budget of seventeen million. Uh, we did note they got a helicopter in there for a shot. Yeah, they got <laughs> seven of it. But no, that, that's that's pretty big for this kind of film, I yeah. guess. Uh, it went on to gross. So a budget of seventeen million mm-hmm. grossed two hundred and forty-seven million. It's proportionally <laughs> quite strong. <laughs> uh, adjusted for inflation, that's around four hundred and forty-two point five million nowadays. That's a success. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was the sixth highest grossing film of 1994. Uh, was this behi- when True Lies was like number three? Falling behind True Lies, which <laughs> came in at number three, and another film we did, it beat Speed, which came in at num- number eight. So it- 94 was a Take big that. Yeah. <laughs> Take that. Yeah. 94 was a big year for films. It was huge, yeah. This is, I think, one of the. It has to be the year where I was like, oh, wait, movies? Yeah, it's <laughs> a real year for you. Yeah. Um, but otherwise, I got a little bit of alternate casting if you guys oh, are I love this. interested. Uh, so, Steve Martin and Martin Short both turned down roles. Good. No, I was... <laughs> see, because I, I knew this watching it, and I there was one scene in particular where I was like, it could work with these guys. And it was the scene where they were at the lake in Aspen after having ridden up in the bike and... The, like, oh, these extra gloves. Oh, yes. <laughs> I was like, this could actually work if it was Martin Short and Steve Martin, I think. Yeah. Like, it, they, it would be a different type of film. Yeah. It would harken back to that kind of, you know, Martin and Lewis style, older style of film, I think. But I think it could, it could have worked. Wouldn't yeah. the budget been, like, really stretched if it was 17 billion? 
billion. <laughs> How many millions? <laughs> Not really. Back in 1994, 17 million is... Heaps. Yeah. Okay. Back back then, like... Yeah, I think the budget for speed was like 22, 23. <laughs> yeah, wasn't so. much more. We were living in a different world. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, no. that's why I said, like, it made 247 million and then adjusted for inflation. It's nearly speed double Speed was that. a blockbuster, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it, it was a fucking blockbuster. Yeah, so but <laughs> Dumb and Dumber beat it at the box office. It's so. like Adam Sandler. No, it's not. <laughs> uh, other ultimate casting. Um, considered for the role of Lloyd, you had Eddie Murphy. Or Mike Myers. <laughs> he was While so hot right there. He was. <laughs> other people were uh, for open for both roles. There was just like uh, whoever we can get. Yeah. Nicholas Cage or Gary Oldman. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Gary Oldman coming off of the professional. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, Rob Lowe was also. <laughs> when was Fifth Element? Ninety six. Okay. Ninety six or ninety seven. Um, <laughs> Rob Lowe was also up for a part, um, as was uh, Chris Elliott and Chris Farley were also both briefly considered for the role of Harry. So, I think they did well. Like Chris Farley would have brought it. He's too young. Too young at that point. I think mm-hmm. this is like. Oh no! This is. Nah. Yeah, maybe. Um, But I think, yeah, it's... Jim Carrey was so right in pushing for Jeff Daniels for the role, I think. Having the serious person to help bounce off of. Yeah. Because if it had two comedians, they would have been battling for supremacy in the scene, I think. I mean, if it was him and Eddie Murphy, for example. I know it was for a different role. No, yeah, yeah. But, um... Like, that would have been pretty intense. Yeah, it would have just been... At that time. There wouldn't have... You wouldn't have felt the kind of camaraderie between the two, and you'd just watch it and be like, who's trying to win the scene? Yeah. Like, who's trying to be funnier? That's what we're... Yeah. That's what their battling is, as opposed to just two friends bickering. Yeah. 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 Hey, who knows? Like, you, you could find some chemistry between any... It's fascinating. Actor you yeah, could never it? pick, you know? Like, that's... Comedy's like that. It's really like, fickle. Mm. Yeah, exactly. I mean, who would have thought, really? Like you said, like, Jeff Daniels, who would have yeah. thought? It's such a weird choice. I'm not surprised choice. the studios didn't... He wasn't their first choice. Yeah. But... Good old Jim. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but I guess unless you guys have anything else, that'll probably wrap it up for uh, our episode on Dumb and Dumber. Yeah, I love, I love Jim. <laughs> I, I love him too. <laughs> he's he's an artist now. Like, you know, I just want to say that I I being going on like the journey of a little kid watching Ace Ventura. Yeah, you've seen way, Jim from the start. Yeah, right, yeah, right from the start, all the way through to like you know from the Man on the Moon and Truman Show. Mm. And all, like, his kind of more, like, kind of little weird roles. And then he dropped away and then he came back a little bit and did some fucking bad films. Like the Mr. Poplar's Penguins and just like, oh, Jim, what are you doing? Uh, and then he just kind of vanished. And then now he's coming back and you get to do, like, get to see all these, these paintings that he does. Yeah, he's become an actual painter and artist, which is great. Yeah. yeah. And he has a new show coming out with uh, Michelle Gondry, which looks amazing. Michelle Gondry, really? Reteaming with uh, him since Eternal Sunshine. Yeah, awesome. to do a... Um, HB uh, Showtime miniseries. Cool. Looks really good. So, I love nice. that guy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Jim Carrey's the best. Um, I I dare I say I want to find a bunch of other ones you've missed of him and put them in for our future hats. I think. Yeah, like I haven't seen um, 
Uh, Man of the Moon. I, th- I think that yeah. that can qualify. I, I think that just squeezes in. Um, I don't think I ever watched all of the Cable Guy because it's too oh, freaking weird. I love that. That's film. so good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that's a big. That's one, one that's yeah. come to be appreciated later. In Otherwise, life. I've actually done pretty well for those older ones. Um, mm. like you know the ones that fit this kind. Of, I mean, I haven't yeah. seen, still haven't got around to Eternal Sunshine, but you know I'll get there one day. Oh, I know. Oh. Yeah. Um, so there's a couple I really want to see. Yeah. Um, but those are probably the big ones I think for that sort of fit into the. The older, yeah, older Jim. But otherwise, I've seen most of his older ones now. I think. Well, on that, you know, the big ones. Well, on that note, let's uh, find a film that you haven't watched then, and uh, get yeah. you to pick something for next week. Are you using the original things? Yeah, we still yeah, got the we, ones we, we wrote up first time. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, and we normally do out of Chris's top hat. <laughs> but we still going to the process of moving in things. <laughs> If you want to uh, reach in and grab one, what do you think is... I'll reach into Tom's treasure box. Yeah, we, we, I didn't bring the hat tonight, actually. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I saw that one. Got to flip it around. Okay. Yep. Next, we're going to watch Dark Crystal. Okay. Damn. This is going to be interesting. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm intrigued. Like, I find Labyrinth is one I didn't see for a long, long time, and I finally did, and I kind of just... Even though I know they're quite different films... They're also weird, sort of kids, 80s films. Um, They're very different, in, mm. I would say, mainly in the sense that Labyrinth is accessible. And Dark Crystal <laughs> is meant to be pretty dark, like hard it? fantasy. It, it yeah. is, yeah, not accessible. No, yeah. so I'm, um, I'm interested. And just the, the, yet, the puppets and stuff is just... Yet, weirdly, it is a, dare I say, one of the top one or two kids' films for me. Like, it was yeah, huge. I'm, I learned about movie. it through you, because I know so. you watched it a bucket load, so... yeah. So. It's a masterpiece. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm, I've been looking forward to that one for a, what, pretty much a year now. You yeah. Watch, <laughs> you should watch the... Is there a cut where it's like... I do have the... I, yeah, yeah you got the I, cut. I will give you the option. <laughs> I managed to find this online. There are two cuts of Dark Crystal. The yeah. one that's out there. And then there's the original Jim Henson cut where... Oh. Each of the creature fantasy creatures spoke their own language, and there was no subtitles. Awesome! <laughs> and the studio was like, "What? <laughs> we did not pay for this." Yeah, this is way too hardcore. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so dealer's choice on which version? I guess we better watch the studio one, but I would love to watch the director's cut. Yeah, it's 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 interesting. It's yeah. for hardcore fans. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, just tune in for that. Um, otherwise, uh, we would love to hear your suggestions of some films for us to put into the hat. We've only got now two left in before we write up our next round to throw in. So if you have any suggestions of kids' movies, films you grew up on, or something you think Eric might not have seen, please send us an email at haven'tseenpod at gmail.com. Otherwise, we'll be back in uh, two weeks' time. But if that's not long enough, you can listen to Tom and I next week on Criterion Quest. Yeah. Plug your show. <laughs> oh, we do a show. Yeah. <laughs> it's, good. it's good. It's very different to this one. Yeah. Um, but I, I haven't been on it in a while, but there's been some good stuff. Well, thanks for letting me come on uh, and kind of talk about something that's not <laughs> not Criterion <laughs> Yeah, Tom and I said so. Last week, Tom and I, we reviewed a 1945 French romance film that was real rough. So it's it's nice to sit and watch a Dumb and Dumber. Yeah, yeah, just bring it back down again for a little bit. Yeah, but thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoyed this episode. Yeah, for this week's episode, I'm Chris. I'm Eric. I'm Tom. Catch you next time.
Please rewind this cassette before returning it to your video library.